Hello and welcome to the Anti-Fragile Tarot Podcast. This is your resident card slinger, Susanna, here with the sort of final installment in my overview of the tarot deck. Um, I say sort of because this is the last suit I'll be covering, the suit of pentacles or coins or discs, depending on what deck you're using. But I will be going into an in-depth overview of the court cards since they're kind of a uh, point of interest and contention for many newbie readers or people who get their cards read regularly. Um, I will be taking a break from this series after this to go into some more general topics because these are cool but you know they're they're not as uh, thought-provoking in my opinion and one of my listeners gave me a really good idea for my next podcast after this episode so I figured I'd bang this one out and we can get going. Um, so, as I said, this episode is about pentacles. You'll also have to excuse any background noise because uh, it's been almost a year, so my kitten is not really a kitten anymore. She's a full-grown year-old cat, but she's just as boisterous as when we first got her and she first started uh, butting her way into the background of these podcast episodes. So I'm sitting here playing with her with a laser pointer, trying to keep her away from the noisier things. So uh, to kind of give a brief overview just for the people who may not have been listening to all the other ones, um, each suit in the tarot is dedicated to a different element. In this case, the pentacles represent earth. Um, all those things that are tangible, you know, it's really easy to just fall into the trap of, oh, pentacles mean money because there's there's some significant money imagery in this deck. And you know, they absolutely can mean money or career or financial concerns when they pop up in a reading, but they can also mean your home. They often mean physical presentation. I've had pentacles pop up for people who are transitioning gender-wise and playing with a new form of expression and figuring out if that's what they want to do going forward um, for people who are planning another kind of big makeover you know or other big physical changes you know perhaps even like a surgery and maybe necessary like a deviated septum kind of thing so um that's what the pentacles are kind of about in a nutshell and each suit is divided into the the journey of the suit uh, ace through ten and four court cards, the page, knight, queen, and king. Um, as I mentioned, I'm using the Centennial Smith weight. The Rider weight or the Centennial Smith weight are kind of, you know, the standard for tarot. But as tarot has gotten more popular and a little more mainstream, there are many, many more tarot deck options. In fact, most of the people that I do readings for at this point, if they are readers themselves, they may not have a Rider Waite deck or it may not be their main deck. You know, a lot of people read with the Wild Unknown or Shadowscapes, you know, or there, there's a lot of other decks that people like to read with. Um, but if you're listening to this, and I feel that if you are really interested in tarot in general, having a Rider Waite or a very direct clone like the Universal Weight or the Morgan Greer, or, you know, if you do your research and find one that is supposed to be a pretty direct clone. Um, there's even a witch's tarot that I think has a lot of very, very similar symbolism, um, almost exact symbolism. So getting one of those decks, or my 
personal favorite choice, which is the Centennial Smith Weight, which I am using for this. Um, I think having one of these decks in your arsenal, even if it's not the deck that you read with the most, will be really helpful in kind of get understanding the core of what a lot of decks are basing these symbolic choices off of. They're useful for using other resources because a lot of tarot resources will default to the Rider Waite deck because it's just it's somewhat of a standard. Um, you know, there are some pros and cons to using it. You know, the pros are the things I mentioned that it's kind of a standard. Um, and some of the artwork is just iconic and beautiful. But on the other hand, you know, this this deck was made in 1910. So a lot of it is very dated. You know, a lot of the, the imagery is very mi Middle Ages-ish. Um, timeless in a lot of ways, to be sure, but some of it is, is very dated looking. Um, it may not resonate with a more modern audience. Didn't resonate with me until I found the Centennial Smithweight. It's also very white and very heteronormative, you know. Um, I certainly don't read tarot from those perspectives, but, you know, it's, you can, you can queer up the tarot deck however much you want, but it's also nice to just have more diverse imagery right there. So, you know, again, feel free to not have one of these decks, but that's what this podcast is based on. So when I'm talking about specific imagery in this deck, it's going to be referencing this deck. And depending on how faithful to original symbolism your 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 deck of choice may be, uh, you may see some very similar imagery, or you may see some very different choices. And depending on how in depth the creator of your deck has chosen to go, and whether there's a lot of resources for it, uh, you know, decks like the Deviant Moon or the Wild Unknown have a lot of source material and I think shadowscapes you know either because they're popular people have posted a lot of their interpretations or the deck creators themselves have made sure that there's a lot of info um, so you might have a deck like that where you can see why the author chose different symbolism to get to the same means um, but you know uh, for for most decks that aren't Toth or Marseilles based this symbolism that I'm using is going to be pretty similar. So even if I mention a particular piece of imagery that's specific to the Rider Waite or more traditional decks, you should be able to get a sense of that somewhere in your cards. Um, and if you can't, I mean, just you know, tarot is one part, knowing the structure of the deck knowing the structure of the suit, and we're going to get into that when I mention similarities between you know, let's say the two of pentacles and how similar it is to the twos in the other suits. You know, by understanding the structure of the deck, uh, you'll understand the structure of what's happening, whether or not you have that direct symbolism. And, you know, that's something that, you know, pip decks play with a lot. You don't have fully illustrated backgrounds to go off of when you're using a pip deck like the Marseilles. Um, but, you know, those are either, those can be a very advanced topic, and that's a topic for a whole other podcast, um, perhaps by a different podcast person, because I don't really read with those decks. But without much more ado, uh, I have the Suit of Pentacles. 
So, like with all the other suits, we start with the ace. We start with a hand coming out of the sky, kind of swirl of clouds, holding this huge yellow coin or disc with a pentacle on it. Um, and in the background of this card, we have this lush, verdant archway of, you know, it's hard to tell what exactly they are, but there's some lilies in the foreground and got a you know, this archway of greenery with some mountains in the distance. You know, it's, it's a very inviting path that's opening up, and that's what the aces tend to represent. So when the ace of pentacles pops up, you know, you're going to have a new job opportunity. Maybe you're going to have a new home come up. This would be a great card to have come up if you're looking for a new apartment. You know, this is like, yes, follow follow that apartment lead. You know, see, see what falls into your lap. Um, you know, and it could... It could totally be, I'm, I'm so sorry for the background noise, I got three cats. Um, it could totally be about a, a new way to change your physical appearance, you know. Start thinking about all the options for the things in your life that are tangible. Um, I do include your time and presence in this, even though technically speaking your time is not tangible. But I include it because it's quantifiable, you know. This isn't, this isn't an emotion, this isn't your love you know, this is this is something that you it's an investment it's a resource of yours I suppose love can be a resource but that's it's way more philosophical than I'm going for today so you know the aces are those opportunities those tangible opportunities and they're being presented to you and it's worth paying attention to because this is some real door opening stuff here so we come to the two of pentacles and it's rather a, a playful card there's a lot of interesting color choices. There's some reds against this blue background and these two pentacles that are being balanced by this person who's kind of balancing on one foot. Um, you know, they're caught in this infinity symbol of green. Um, I like to view that as kind of a vine to get back to the earthy meanings of the pentacles. Um, and in the background, you have these kind of they're they're wavy and uh, tidal tidal waters back there, but they don't look destructive. I mean, the the boats that are on them are riding them out. You know, they're not getting dashed on the rocks. So, the two of pentacles when it comes up is about balancing your resources. Um, I it often comes up as balancing practicality with emotions because of that water in the background. Um, but much like the other twos, there are some there are some choices and some deliberate hands-on things to be made. Um, if you look at the other twos, the two of cups has two people holding onto cups and sharing them. The two of swords is someone holding onto two swords and making it making this intellectual decision again with water in the background. And the two of wands is someone holding on to two wands to help them figure out their vision for the future. So the twos in this case, and in particular in the pentacles, they're about being hands-on with the choices that you have to make because you may have been handed this opportunity from outside yourself, but it's up to you to take action on it. So the two is really kind of you starting to take ownership of these choices you have to make. So, you know, you have to figure out what you're going to balance here, what needs balancing in your life. You know, all work and no play, etc. 
but also all play and no work? Are you sinking a lot of time into a relationship that's impractical and unrealistic for you? Or are you dismissing your emotions because, you know, you feel compelled to, you know, keep it together for the kids or the pets or whatever the case may be? These are all things to consider when the Two of Pentacles comes up in a reading. Um, once again, I don't like to take these cards as singular entities. You know, tarot is much more about context and interplay than single cards. So I'm presenting these multiple meanings for these cards because they can mean very different things depending on the context of the question. You know, the Two of Pentacles, as it relates to a job matter, could be very diff different than as it relates to whether or not you, you know, move or how your relationship is going. Um, and also is impacted by the other cards around it. So again, you know, remember when I'm going through this, that these individual card meanings can be very different based on the other cards that are around them or the context of your question. But it's important to know what the individual card means because that way you can look at those connections that you're making with all the other cards. So that brings us to the Three of Pentacles. So with the, the Ace, you've had this opportunity. With the Two, you started to take ownership. And now the Three shows someone who's clearly some kind of apprentice um, working on a building. It looks like almost like a cathedral kind of thing. You, you see the, the vaulted arches. Um, this person is standing on a workbench. And that workbench actually pops up later on in this suit. Looks like the very same workbench, actually. So with that in mind, this card is kind of the, the real beginnings of a foundation being built. Uh, it hasn't been built yet, but you're getting somewhere, you're taking that ownership from the two and you're transforming it into something in the real world. Uh, there's definitely a strong apprenticeship vibe in this. Uh, you know, someone else is kind of telling the person on the workbench what to do. And um, with that in mind, knowing that it's time to start really looking at the foundations that you're building. Um, again, it could be a new home. It could be, you know, getting your space set up the way you like it. it. could be a new job and, you know, finding someone who can take you under their wing. Um, and it can be, you know, making some, some real changes in your life in whatever physical capacity that is. Um, you know, it could even be making sure that you're spending time with the people in your life who are most aligned with you in terms of values right now. So that brings us to the Four of Pentacles. For some reason, I really didn't like this card for a long time. Um, I get it now. I don't know why it took me so long to, to get it. Um, this shows a seated person with kind of like a city in their background. They're sitting on a little, little stone box in the middle of nowhere. They got two pentacles, two coins, one underneath each foot. You got one that they're balancing on their head and both arms wrapped around another one. So I like to call this the uh, mind on your money and money on your mind card. This card is important because it, it represents, because it's one of the fours in the suit, it represents the end of the first cycle. So in this situation, it can be important to find a balance of you know, 
being secure in your stuff and your resources, but also in making sure that you're not only doing that. You know, there's there's being secure and there's being stingy. That said, sometimes it's important that you preserve your resources even if it makes you seem stingy. Maybe you can't spot your friends when you want to go out. Maybe you can't, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to offer, maybe you you have to keep some time to yourself so that you can make things happen in your life. So with that in mind, the four of pence is, it's a very neutral card, you know, it's, it's security, it's stability, it's, it's looking at your resources, but it's not really good or bad in either direction, as most cards in tarot are. However, not so true for the fives. So as I've mentioned in the other podcasts, the fives in each suit, in keeping with the number five being a number of discord and chaos and disarray, um, they're very difficult cards. You know, they're, they're the difficulty that comes after the, first, the end of the first trial that really tests your commitment to this path. So in the suit of pentacles in the Rider Waite, um, this scene shows two rather indigent looking people, one, one person with you know ripped and presumably dirty clothes on crutches, another very gaunt, thin looking person in a, a ripped, tattered cloak or blanket thrown over their head. Um, outside in the snow, with snow falling, um, kind of right outside of what looks like a church, a stained glass window with five pentacles. And this card can often represent feeling entitled to something and the pain of not getting it. For me, um, this card often brings up, you know, the years I couldn't go to college when I really wanted to and I've been set up to do so and for various reasons I wasn't able to go. And, you know, I really felt cut off from this thing it was really important to me and I knew it would be important to my future and you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of feelings in this five of pentacles there's a lot of resentment there's a lot of why me you know it's important not to get caught up in the bootstrap theory of you know well if you just you know didn't make those bad choices or you made better choices in the future you could have this warmth and and all this stuff um you know there this card can really indicate some things outside of your control that are making this worse. You know, this couple here is in the snow. Like, if it was warm out, they probably wouldn't be quite so upset about not being inside. But it's not. So this card is really a combination of those things you can control, those things you can't control, and your feelings of being left out, of not having the things that you expected or wanted to have at this point in your life, so when this card comes up, it's often a really good opportunity to look at what's causing that and whether it's something that you can try to choose to walk away from, whether it's something that you just need to accept, or whether it's something that you can change. Because, you know, this is a valid feeling. It's important to work through it. But at the same time, you don't want to live in the fives. Even if I do have a tattoo for the Goddess of Chaos. So that brings us to the Six of Pentacles. And the Six is an interesting card to come right after the Five. Um, If we're going in directionality in tarot, the two people are walking towards this very generous person. 
perhaps even the two people seated in the Six of Pentacles are the two people walking in the Five of Pentacles. Could be. Um, in the traditional decks, the Six of Pentacles shows somebody, you know, dressed very richly in this, this fine red cloak, um, pouring coins into the outstretched hands of someone who's kneeling in front of them. And there's another person whose hands are outstretched who isn't getting anything. And in the rich person's hand, there's a scale, much like you'd see in the Justice card. And you know, this card is um, very much about generosity and earned generosity. So when it comes up, it really could be you who needs to decide who or what is worthy of your time, your money, your resources, your energy, your belongings, if you have stuff to give away. It's also about not being afraid to ask for the help that you need. Because if you know that you need it, and you know that you're a worthy candidate for it, then you can get this help, but you do have to put yourself out there and ask. And I know that can be a little bit rough and demeaning. As someone who has struggled with being a beggar and being someone who is in more of a position to give, this card can be a little complicated. Um, you know, I think it's often it's often a little uncomfortable to have to be in either position. Um, if you have things to give, especially if you're not really rich, like, you know, think about all of us who are doing GoFundMes for everybody else. None of us are making that much money, you know, when we're still putting money in the pot for everybody else. Um, but it's still an uncomfortable position to be in, and it's important to remember that there's not much that separates one from the other. You know, there, there, but for the grace of God, go I. So don't, whichever role you're playing in that card, don't get caught up in it. Don't think it's the end all, be all of your identity. So the Seven of Pentacles is an interesting little card. So this is one of those cards where my interpretation of it differs a little bit from traditional interpretations. Um, again, this is part of why I'm doing this podcast series so that you can get a look at kind of the base interpretation and symbolism of the cards and start to formulate your own thoughts about them. Um, you know, my tarot reading didn't really take off. I, mean, I had I had a decent working knowledge of, of the book meanings and even some other meanings that I had thought about. But it didn't really kick in until I started making these very personal idiosyncratic connections to the cards. So the, the face meaning of the Seven of Pentacles, which shows a person with their shovel kind of dug into the dirt, kind of taking a look at their bounty of pentacles that are growing on these vines like pumpkins. The base meaning of this is, you know, success, the rewards of hard work, determination, I see something a little different. I see this person who goes, well, shoot, I was expecting pumpkins and instead I've got pentacles. This is cool though. What can I do with this? Um, either way, it, it, the, the message is still pretty similar. You know, taking stock of the resources that you specifically have built up and figuring out what you're going to do next with them. And you know, really taking a moment to appreciate the, the enormity of the work and your role in it, as well as 
understanding that a lot went into it outside of your work. You know, a farmer can put in all the hard work that they can, but if the weather is unfavorable or a fire sweeps through, you know, they're hard. They, they did not work hard. That's not why they don't have a crop. But there are factors outside of your control that contribute to your success or detriment. So when the seven of pence pops up, you know, I really like to like to say, you know, take stock of what you've got, even if it's not what you expected it to be, and figure out what you're going to do with it long term so that these pentacles don't spoil and go rotten on the vine. Now I come to the eight of pentacles. Uh, I mentioned earlier that the workbench in the three of pentacles is the same workbench it looks like in the eight of pentacles. I love this card. Um, this card is actually hanging up on the wall in enchantments in New York City, uh, right by their one of their bookshelves, which I think is really fitting. Um, the Eight of Pentacles shows a person in this very worn work vest um, who is practicing etching pentacles onto discs. These discs are hung up, and the pentacles are all a little different sized and shaped, but this person is clearly getting into a rhythm. You know, this is kind of like a nose to the grindstone, you know, work it out kind of card. And you know, you're taking the the things that you created in the Seven of Pentacles, and once again, you're taking it into your own hands and doing something with it. But you're also practicing. You know, they call it practicing medicine or practicing law. You know, these these big trades. You practice your trade because anything that we do requires repetition. It requires attention. You know, it's very rare that anyone is ever just innately good at something. It always takes more work than it looks like. And a lot of things can be achieved through more passive work. You know, think about when you've started a new job and some things that you may not have purposely worked on started to become second nature anyway, just because you got used to doing them and you got used to the flow and got used to being around things or picking up a language. You know, you might find your language skills getting better just by spending more time around people, even if you're not, you know, taking time to go to classes or spend time practicing Duolingo or whatever. So there is definitely a place for passive work, but that's not what the Eight of Pentacles is about. The Eight of Pentacles is active work. This is the writer who writes two pages a day every day. You know, this is the musician who practices their scales. This is the nurse who brushes up on new advances in the field. This is the tarot reader who makes sure that they're reading cards for people even when they don't have any gigs on the horizon. So this card is a really nice card to focus on if you need to get better at something. Um, it's often popped up on my altar when I've purposely chosen cards instead of letting the deck tell me what I need. And if this card comes up in a more negative connotation, um, you know, you might be putting a lot of work into something that's not worth your time. That can often come up in relationships. So I, I personally love this card. I think it has a very comforting feeling. So the eight segues into the nine which shows a, a robed figure holding up a bird in her lovely garden. Um, it's very lush, 
There's a lot of green. There's a lot of yellow in the background. She's resting her hands on these pentacles that look like they might be growing out of the vines, although it's kind of hard to tell. Um, this figure looks very serene, but something to consider is that this figure is very lonely. Or alone, I should say. Um, it can often... Often loneliness is kind of inferred in this card. Oh, I just noticed a little snail friend on the bottom. That's cute. Um, so yeah, so she has some companionship here. You know, she has this bird. She has these lovely things around her. But there aren't any other people. So this card can be a very double-edged card. Um, it often pops up in a really positive capacity as being self-sufficient. And it's very like empowering to have these beautiful things and be content with yourself. This is a good thing. This card is not a bad lonely card. I'm not trying to say that. But it can pop up when you might be denying your desire for companionship because you're trying to, you know, keep it all together by yourself. Um, so, you know, really, really think about the context of the card again. This can be a great card to have, especially if if you are trying to find, you know, romantic companionship, this can be a nice card to have as something that you represent because, you know, this is not a card of desperation. This is not a card of someone who's broken and needs fixing. And those can be some big deterrents. This is, this is someone who has their stuff together. And that's good. Of course, the flip side of that is that you can look too happy by yourself. So if you want a relationship, that's a problem. And if you don't want a relationship, that is the opposite of a problem. That is lovely. And that's kind of what this card is about. You know, if you were going to be choosing a specific card for, you know, a, a self-love ritual, this would not be the worst card that you could possibly choose. So I really like this card. Um, I don't know why I'm focusing on the more negative aspects of it in this podcast, but um, there it is. But again, it's it can be really nice and self-sufficient and complete within yourself, which is important to be. Um, and it's also the penultimate thing. You know, again, there's there's kind of a a thing in all the suits, the pattern, that the nine represents a perfectly good outcome, but not not the final form that the ten is. You know, it represents it, it is a complete outcome although it's a slightly less risky outcome for all of them. You know, the Nine of Cups is... Nine of Cups and the Nine of Pentacles and the Ten of Cups and the Ten of Pentacles are actually very similar. Um, but the Nines both show a single figure. The Tens both show a, a kind of a family scene. The Nine of Cups is this, you know, emotional stability, but not sharing it with others and, and seeing it grow. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to stop at the nine. Same with the nine of wands and the ten of wands. You know, the nine of wands, it's kind of, this is the last chance to turn back before you gather up all this stuff. And the ten of wands, you know, represents kind of the um, the burdens of motivation and, and passion and, and how it really does weigh down on you after a lengthy time of the, the whole journey through the suit. And the nine of swords, you know, it might be easier to just kind of ignore the pain rather than see it through to its full conclusion where you can finally get some closure, but it's going to hurt more. So the nines and the tens, you know, are that kind of penultimate and ultimate 
but the nines are still a place to stop if you choose. It's just the less risky one. And sometimes that's a perfectly fine thing to choose. I'm not trying to throw any shade on that. So the Ten of Pentacles, um, it's this beautiful idyllic family scene with a family patriarch uh, in the foreground with a couple of dogs looking on at presumably his family, his extended family. So, you know, maybe maybe his son or daughter and their kid, um, you know, everything looks really just well-realized and comfortable in this scene. You know, it's, it's a big house. Everyone is well-clothed. Everyone looks well-fed, except maybe those poor dogs. They're greyhound kind of dogs, so they're, they're thin. Um, they don't look emaciated. They look happy. Their tails look happy, and they're being pet. But you know, even, even in this card, even in this completion of having used all of your resources for your legacy and yourself and your legacy, you know, there, there is a loneliness to this card. And that's echoed by the Nine of Pence as well. Um, there's a loneliness to understanding that you can't take it with you. And I think that's where the, the patriarch and the figure here or in the foreground here is kind of at, you know, they, this person spent all this time worrying about that and has money really been what they have to show for it? No. Now, something else to consider on this card are the way that the pentacles are arranged. Uh, there are 10 pentacles that are even more in the foreground. They're kind of superimposed on the beautifully fully illustrated scene. Um, and this the arrangement of these pentacles is in the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. They are arranged in the spheres that represent the Sephirot. And um, that's an important thing to consider. I, I don't work much with the Kabbalah at this point, although the rabbi of the synagogue that I attend is apparently very well-versed in Kabbalah. So... It might be something for me to consider working with him on, um, but I have other things I'm doing. And this is still a card that you can take at a face value, but knowing that extra layer of symbolism and understanding that the Tree of Life represents these complex connections and you know, taken in totality, there's a lot to work with that supports the meaning of the Ten of Pentacles and, of course, tarot on a larger scale. So... We come to the court cards, um, and as I said, I'm going to be doing a court card-specific episode. This is a brief overview. So, with the Page of Pentacles, uh, like all the other pages, this page is rather young, and the amount of foliage in the cards kind of increases as the suit progresses. And this young page holding on to a yellow pentacle is surrounded by some you know, some grass, some small flowers, some trees in the background. And when this page pops up, it can often represent someone in your life who is kind of starting out in something and that you may want to give your resources to. You know, it could be a younger person in your life who needs some help with college. It could be someone you know who's starting a business and you may want to support them. Stuff like that. So if this person represents you, um, this you know you might be 
taking some very initial steps into testing the waters. You might be you know, starting to look at some other jobs. You might be really starting to address your physical health on a very basic level. You might even be ready to you know, make some changes in your home, stuff like that with the Knight of Pentacles. So this knight is probably the most boring of all the knights. Um, seated on this very sedate horse, you know, this knight is very methodical and very stable, in my opinion. Um, so when this card pops up, this can represent someone in your life who can be an inspiration to you by kind of watching them plot their own course and achieve their goals. It can also represent someone whose goals align closely with yours and who is a very good practical choice for companionship, whether that's romantic or friendship-wise, maybe even a family member. Um, but someone who's going in the same direction as you and really has their eye on the prize. You know, this Knight of Pentacles may not be as laser-focused and reckless as the other knights, but that doesn't mean that they're not extremely focused on their goal, even when their yellow pentacle melts into the yellow sky. So, you know, really think about that when the Knight of Pentacles comes up. You know, of course, if this comes up in a romantic reading and you can choose between the Knight of Pentacles and the Knight of Wands, uh, that's an interesting choice to be made. You know, the Knight of Pentacles can be a little bit boring. You know, this is not the most exciting journey that you've ever taken. You know, the suit of pentacles is certainly less tumultuous than the suit of swords. It's less emotionally grabbing than the suit of cups. But it's still very important. You know, your tangible stuff is extremely important. And Knight of Pentacles is also a reminder to, you know, when you're pursuing these these physical goals that you have, um, you have to be really careful with your resources. You know, you have to not over overdo them. You know, you have to, you can't spend money you don't have. Well, you know, there's credit cards, but, or other people's money, but that's not what the Knight of Pentacles is about. The Knight of Pentacles is using their resources to achieve their goals. And, you know, you, there's time and there's presence. The Knight of Pentacles can't be in more than one place at once. So, they're choosing their course wisely to be in the places and do the things that best serve them. So then there's the king and queen of pentacles. As I've said before, I don't view the kings and queens or most of the tarot deck as particularly genderific. Um, you know, the, the kings and queens are different governing styles, not masculine and the feminine energy. Although you can certainly use that paradigm if you find use in it. I'm not trying to dissuade you from it. I'm just saying that you don't have to, and I certainly don't. Um, like the other suits, the queens are more subtle. The queens are more self-focused. The queens are more approachable. Um, both the kings and the queens can be a little bit manipulative. If you want to use a less polarizing word than manipulative, um, we can go with uh, inspirational. Um, but definitely people who can, can kind of work with other people to get what they want. Um, but I think the queen is more someone who's an advocate for you and the king has their own agenda. N neither of these things are bad things. Um, I often think of the queen as someone who's really in control of their own physical appearance and, and home life. So that's a good card to come up for you. Um, 
Queen of Pentacles and the Nine of Pentacles are very entwined in my head. The King of Pentacles, when the King of Pentacles comes up in readings I do, almost always means a rich person. Um, someone who, you know, may have some resources that you can make use of, but who you're going to have to give something back to in exchange for them. Whereas the Queen may just be able to kind of grant you a favor. The King wants you to do something in return. That's how I view them. Um, I also view these two, the King and the Queen in this suit, as being much more similar than the kings and queens in the other suits. And I view them as working together more, even in the directionality of their faces. Um, you know, even when facing away from each other, they're not they're not fully facing away. They're still kind of cheated towards the center. So they're still kind of working in the same direction and the same goals. But we'll get more into those court cards in depth later. So that is my exploration of the suit of pentacles. Thank you for listening. I hope you found it useful. Um, please feel free to email me at antifragiletarot at gmail.com with any comments, questions, suggestions, um, anything that you got out of it. Just, you know, reach out. I try to be friendly. I try to reply. Thank you very much to my Patreon patrons for helping keep this podcast going, paying for my Libsyn space. It's fantastic. Um, it's very it's very gratifying knowing that there's people listening and enjoying if you would like to become a patreon patron you can find me on there at anti-fragile tarot um, and my perks include monthly readings you'll also get some behind the scenes pictures usually of my cats with the tarot decks um, sometimes some videos of extra readings around astrologically uh, important times like mercury and retrograde or eclipses um, some polls as to what you might like to see or hear next so, you know, most of my content will remain free. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you can find me on Facebook at Antifragile Tarot. That's two words. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Tumblr at Antifragile Tarot, one word. And I'm Antifragile Card on Twitter, although I don't use Twitter that much. Um, but you can, you can find me on here. All this stuff is going to remain free, but, you know, your patronage really helps me maintain this gig and going to events locally where I have to pay for table space and stuff um, to kind of spread the word and spread the tarot. If you would like to get a physical reading from me, again, you can email me. Um, I don't have a set space, but I make a lot of house calls. And you can also get a reading from me at a lot of the JC Oddities markets. So the next one that we have is April 21st at Carney Point. It's the spring morning market, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, because we are a bunch of goth nerds. Um, that's the next in-person event I'm doing, and I know it's that's like two months away. Um, I might find something sooner. I might try to do a day at Balance Salon in Jersey City. So I will keep you posted. Uh, again, check out my Instagram. That's probably the best place to get up to up-to-date information on me, or shoot me an email again at antifragiletarot at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to my patrons. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed this. My next episode will be about tarot card spreads and some common ones and how to kind of create your own and play with them and find more of them. Uh, and then we'll get back to those court cards eventually, but I'd like to, I'd like to get back to the more loosey-goosey uh, reading type 
podcast we were doing. Although I will say it's been really nice for me too to go through all the cards. Um, I've definitely seen some things in the cards that I haven't seen in reading them for the last 13 years. So thanks again. I hope you have a witchy and or wonderful week and I will talk to you soon. Bye.